Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and today is Monday, and we've got a lot of great things happening. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me in just a minute, and then the Monday afternoon mix will take place after that. We're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount in the Monday afternoon mix, and then hour two, Dr. Mark Muska. So it's going to be a great, uh, great show. Uh, it's always good to get Monday started on a slightly lighter note and to do that, I call my friend Patrick Albanese, who lives in the great state of Iowa in the prestigious city of West Des Moines. Patrick, so nice to have you online. Thanks. You know, we, we don't really have a South or North Des Moines. We just got the <laughs> East and the just the East and the West. Yeah. So you know, one day we'll be a bigger city and we'll have all four. I'm, I'm, and then then you get to the like I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. That's a big city. When you say you know we we just North South East West not big enough to contain <laughs> all the people. So we've got to add some more directions. Well, it's and nice we'll, to set eventually. to have goals and go after them. That's what I say. Yes. 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 All right. So uh, here we are. In these, did you say to start out on a lightweight note? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, did I? Sure. I don't know if I said that. I apologize. But actually, no, that, no, that's what it is. Kind of a little bit lightweight. I, I'm feeling lightweight today because I did. I did a heavy workout, oh. and uh, well, yeah, I'd read on one of these fitness websites that uh, one of the best exercises you can do is this uh, um, heavy farmer's carry. And uh, luckily, I live in Iowa. There's a lot of heavy farmers here, so <laughs> you found one to carry. Good for you. I well, I I picked him up, and he got a little upset. He started chasing me with his truck, and I <laughs> set a new personal best in the two mile sprint. <laughs> so I said, "They're right. That workout is very effective." Yeah. So. Well, Patrick, one of the things uh, you and I do regularly throughout the week is we text each other's stories or news items or things that might be interesting topics to talk about on the radio. And uh, last weekend, uh, when I wasn't busy not watching the Olympics, I saw a text you sent me about escaping from comfort is more difficult than escaping from hardship. And that got my attention. Yeah. And I remember when I I first came across that, um, I wish I could say I was the one that had uh, initially posted it. But um, I, I, I think somebody had sent it to me and at, at first I, and I don't know if this was your reaction. So I'll be curious to find out, did it upset you just a little bit? You said, what are you talking yes. about? Because it, it also was saying that, you know, you, you kind of need to go embrace some discomfort. Um, and I thought, well, wait, wait, what are you talking about here? Hang on a second. <laughs> I don't want to embrace discomfort. I like comfort. And then I realized what the point of that uh, particular, I guess that's a meme, was, is that, you know, we tend to do our most advancing, sometimes our, our back is against the wall, when we're, in, we're in discomfort, we're trying to improve our life situations, uh, often that's when we seek God. And then as soon as we get comfortable, that, that drive is gone. And how often does it happen? You see it happen a lot of times with people that become incredibly successful, suddenly they're thinking, 
what do I need God for? I did all this myself. <laughs> and you go, no, no, I think God had a hand in it. Um, and uh, I, I find that, you know, it's I'm, I don't really want to actively embrace discomfort. But I realized that some of my best moves forward were when I was in that uncomfortable part of life that uh, you said, I've got to do something. Yeah. And then you got active. Yeah. And the, the destructive yeah. things in life f- sometimes feel like the bad things, but oftentimes the destructive things, the hard things, is when God is really doing something important in your life. I mean, when you look back and you think of all the times you were kicking and screaming and and complaining the loudest are usually the times you look back and you say, those were pivotal times in my life. God was doing some incredible things. It's when you get addicted to the comfort that feels so good that you start to go, hmm, wonder how hard it would be to get out of my comfort zone. You know, and I think you and I can agree. We both started a new workout regimen after 40 years of working out. You know, we were both at the same time starting something new and talk about it being uncomfortable. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny. I I found that uh, that even I was deluding myself, and I don't know if you were doing this as well, where you would almost try to kid yourself into thinking, you know, these workouts they look too easy anyway. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe maybe I maybe these aren't going to be challenging enough for me because on paper they did look easy. And suddenly you found yourself really challenged, like you hadn't been in years. And then it made you question, you know, that you had found yourself in a workout comfort zone that was producing no results. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, wow, that's kind of a metaphor for that that post that was sent, or, you know, an analogy to it anyway, where you say, here I was doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing, but I had slowly worked myself into a comfort zone where I wasn't challenging myself at all, and nothing was happening. Yeah. In, in fact, I was going backwards. Yeah. You know, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards, or uh, there's something clever in there. I like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about uh, escaping comfort, which is going to feel counterintuitive to everybody, including Patrick and I. Um, because yeah. if you are comfortable, there's a good chance you're going to be less motivated. Uh, a question I often ask people when you find out about their, their spiritual health is, what was the last thing in Scripture that the Holy Spirit revealed to you that was fresh and it was new and it was exciting and you couldn't wait to tell a fellow Christian about it? And the other question I ask is, who was... Th- the last person you shared your hope in Christ with, who was the last person that you said, this is what, this is who I am, this is uh, my faith? And if you can't answer either of those two questions, you might be a little too comfortable. Yeah, and I I get that because uh, comfort sort of creeps up on you and you, you know, it feels like you say, hey, I've reached this area of life where there's some comfort. I'd like to, you know, turn off the afterburners for just a little bit, kind of relax and enjoy it. And then a lot of time goes by and you think, oh, I've, I I don't think I would call it resting on my laurels, but you, you know, you tend to forget some things. a concern I have, and I and here's something I'm guilty of, uh, and you can edit uh, this out in the future podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no, yeah, I don't like to do confessions, but no, it's um, so COVID, 
there is a level of comfort that came with, you know, a not working as, as weird as the whole thing was there, there was a comfort level in saying, this is kind of nice hanging out with the kids all day, mm -hmm. staying home and, and occasionally cutting the grass, you know, when I can find the time, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, another thing that went with it is, you know, we were doing church online and we have, we haven't gone back yet. We're still doing online. And when I see the sanctuary on video that used to have, you know, 2000 people in it, and now it's 200, I think, look at all the people that now it could be for various reasons. They're not comfortable going out yet. You know, the COVID's still out there and that could be part of it for certain. But you think, did everybody just start getting really comfy with watching church online? And not that there's anything wrong with that, but are you getting the same thing out of it uh, at home as you would be in God's house? Yeah. And I don't feel like I am. And my wife and I had this discussion the other day. We said, we got to start going back. It's safe to go back. And there aren't that many people going back. But I, I think we need to be in the atmosphere. Yeah. I think we need to be in that room. There's, there's something else that happens there. I hear the message clearer, too. Yeah. Now, we, we want to say that if you are in hardship, you have our sympathy. If it's something horribly bad, obviously, uh, we're not saying hardship is great. We're, I think what Patrick and I are suggesting is if you've gotten out of hardship, congratulations. And if you have achieved comfort, I think at some point you're going to want to reintroduce hardship back into your life. Maybe it's uh, a physical... Uh, test of some kind, challenge. Where you say a challenge, yeah. yeah, a physical challenge. Maybe it's a new project or or a creative challenge. Um, maybe it's something with evangelism. Maybe you say, "I am going to get out of my comfort zone here and go talk to my neighbor." And I've been thinking about yeah. that for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's, you know, it's. I think it's. Yeah, I have a, a couple of friends who uh, they uh, put on the COVID thirty twice. I would say I think they both did it about twice. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, I, I see them every day just about. I'm working with them a lot. And, uh, you know, they, they always seem to marvel that I'm going out and doing some working out. And I said, I, I, it's one area of my life where even though I think I was slacking on my workouts, I've always made it a kind of a non-negotiable. But uh, they got so far behind, they said, it's just insurmountable. And then one of them discovered it. There's a program, I think it's called Couch to 5K. And the premise of this program says, we're just going to start with the premise that you are on the couch and not doing anything. And our goal is over the next, I think it's a year, to slowly introduce activity each day to get you to uh, 12 months from now, you're running a 5K. And it'll be a little uncomfortable at times. But I think, well, that's a nice digestible chunk of, you know, you got a big period of time with a forward moving goal. And it's, it's the same thing. How often do we talk about you look at that Bible sometimes and you say, oh, oh, there's so much in here. I wish it was all just I wish I could open my head up, pour the contents in and have it stick. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't often stick. It needs repetition. Plus the magic of the Bible, as you know is the ability for God to sneak uh, extra stuff into your copy, into a passage you've read 50 times, <laughs> and suddenly you say, well, these are new words. These weren't here before, were they? Because all of a sudden, this is making sense to me. Yeah. And 
but we, we, you know, it's hard to digest the whole thing at once. And so, you know, the, the Bible passage a day, you say, well, what's so hard about a Bible passage a day? And it's funny how we can get lazy about even that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm talking about myself. I get I don't, that. I don't know about you. And I don't, I know I don't you, think you do that. I, I know. I know you weren't making a reference to God sneaking new words. And I think uh, just to let everyone no. know what you were saying was you've read a verse 50 times on the 51st time. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know. I didn't see that. I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So again. Yeah, it's like watching Gilligan's Island for 20 years and suddenly realizing they're not on an island. They're in a back lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that changed everything for us. I don't know about you. It changed but... everything. Well, they're not trapped at all. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it's AI certainly. You know, no, it's uh, that, that that revelation of things that were always there right in front of your eyes. And yeah. you say, how did I not see them? Yeah. How did I not see that? And hopefully that's part uh, of the, and... the, the test. You know, what has God revealed to you in his word that you are seeing fresh in a new way? And to the point where you get so excited you can't wait to call one of your friends and let them know what what you learned what you saw or read 50 times but it was this time that it just came alive yes yeah uh, and i to me there's almost there's more pleasure in the discovery of something uh new and something you've read a bunch of times than getting grasping it all at once oh. you start to really realize the depth of the bible and the passages i agree like, well this is a, so deep oh yes. there's a lot here yes you want to dig deeper you want to keep going yeah. yeah patrick albanese and i were talking about escaping comfort and this is not an easy conversation to have but it's a good one for us to talk about because uh hardship is bad of course but and you don't want it but sometimes uh hardship is where God does his best work in your life. And we all know that to be true. We'll take a short break and be right back with lots more. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme music belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend from the great state of Iowa. We're talking about comfort and hardship today, and the whole idea that, yeah, once you escape hardship, uh, congratulations, but uh, once you have done that, you always want to think about maybe reintroducing hardship into your life because it does make a difference. And I think God does work, whether it be a physical challenge or a, a mental challenge. You're going to try to do something new, expand your brain power, um, learn a new hobby. Any of that is can be dis, uncomfortable. And that's the and thing. Ch- we're, and challenging. And challenging, yeah. yeah. But there is a certain power to comfort. And I think when you have comfort, you feel this kind of odd power. Yeah, and maybe you get uh, the mistaken impression that you're fully in control of everything. <laughs> you know, that's that that can be. I mean, do you remember back to and 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 I think this is one of the things. Uh, maybe it's just you and me, or a, a handful of people. But you know how you sometimes reminisce, and when you're telling stories about your life. 20, 30, not that we would go back that far, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but X number of years ago, 
And you often talk about the hardships in, in sort of a fond way. Uh, you say, you know, uh, I was explaining to somebody the other day that was so much younger than me that they didn't understand the concept of making a dinner out of ramen noodles. You know, that you say, well, I had, uh, I, I was able to make a 50 cent dinner. I'm really proud of the fact that, because I would use two packs of ramen because I was a growing young man, you know. But uh, isn't it funny? Like, you don't think back to all the times of where everything was comfortable. You think back to those times where you say, you know, that's the thing that really motivated me to to get moving, to get things happening. And, and, and of course, a lot of times despair is what draws people to God. And I don't think God gives us despair to draw us to him. He's, he's available. You know, he's, he's always that, he's always that ramp, that exit ramp on the freeway says, you know, come on, you can, anytime you want to get off of that road you're on, I'm here. If you miss this exit, I'll, I'll set up another one for you. You know, he, 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 he wants, he, he wants us to come to him. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's given us, you know, hardship because hardships are just going to happen to all of us. And it's, it's what we often choose to do with it that can make the big difference in our lives. And, you know, through various hardships I've had, uh, I still ignored the call to God. Mm -hmm. And then it, then it hit. And then for some reason, there was a time I said, I've tried all the other stuff. So, uh, you know, I have to look back at ultimately that period of time in my life and say, well, that was a tremendously wonderful thing that happened to me even though I was terrifically uncomfortable, and, very uncomfortable yeah. at the time. And Patrick, I would guess to say things that you were once mad about, you now brag about. And let's just use for an example um, some of the hardship your mother introduced when you wanted to have her give you money for you to go buy a magic trick. And she said, why don't you just build it? <laughs> that yes. couldn't have made you happy. Uh, yet oh, no, to, this, it, to this day, you have a past career yeah. in being one of the premier illusion builders of magic apparatuses in the country. Well, and you know, not only my mother was extremely clever, as you know, <laughs> not only did mom say build it, she'd say, you know, there's a big pile of wood <laughs> that uh, is, is what we used to call a toy chest down there in the basement. You can use that wood if you just take the toy chest apart and rearrange the basement. <laughs> so I could get the materials for free if I would just repurpose stuff that she no longer wanted. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was a great thing because I, you know, I had to be as clever as I could be. We, we didn't have money, and she wasn't going to give me money to do this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I learned how to build. I learned how to paint. I learned how to do a lot of things. And, you know, you, you often have these dreams of, you know, one day growing up and you, like, Here's one. You know, I would love to never even consider having, I don't want to have to look at the prices on menus. I'd like to be able to go into a store and I don't even have to look at the price tag and I can afford anything in there. Now, thankfully, thanks to the dollar store, we can do that. This day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if you adjust it a little bit to the quality of merchandise, but um, by the same token, there is a thing that can happen to you when you have that much access to like all the good stuff in life that you forgot what it was like to earn something. You know, I remember when I wanted to buy a car, um, I started saving, my mom was like, start saving your money. And I thought, well, well, how long of a process is this? I'll save money for a few weeks and then we go get a car. Right. right. <laughs> it was over, it was over two years. Right. She just kept saying not enough. And under her breast, she was saying room in the driveway for another car. <laughs> <laughs> But 
I saved up all this money. And then you know what she did? Uh, I found a car, finally found a car. And it was not the Lincoln Continental that I wanted to buy, of course. She said, uh, you're going to take half your money and you can put that down on the car, but you're going to take out a loan and make payments. And you, and had, said, Why? you, had, the, you had the entire amount to pay cash for the car? I had the entire amount. Okay. She said, you are absolutely you're forbidden to spend it all. You're going to spend half of it and I want you to take out a loan. I need you to know what that's like. And by the way, you're kicked off the family insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> you want a car, you get everything that goes with it. But, you know, I, I, at, those, at that time in your life, you know, you're a teenager and you're thinking, this isn't fair. And then you say, oh, what a wonderful gift she gave me. What a wonderful gift. And you try to do the same, you know, for others. And you say, this is, it's, it's, it's actually harder on, as a parent now, I think, I think it's a little bit harder as the parent to say, here's something I'm going to do. It's going to take you 30 years to thank me for this. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does God feel about, it's like, you know, I've done something for you. It's big. Uh, his name's Jesus. I sent him there. It's big. And many of you may never appreciate it. Some of you won't appreciate it for a long, long time. And then that light bulb's going to go off and you're going to say, look what you did for me. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that for me? Right. That is big. Right. Um, I love the illustration uh, about your mom in the car because, again, I can, um, I can only assume you were mad that she was introducing what you perceived to be this hardship for you to have to take out a loan. I think you're going to be paying, what do they call it, interest now? All of a sudden, extra money you're going to have to spend. But today, yeah. today you're bragging about it. I know. It was $135 a month for two and a half years. It was not a, not a very big loan. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you're 18 years old, I think, at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, I have the money. Well, shouldn't I just pay for it? And she said, that'd be great. That's how we normally do things around here. We don't like credit. But I want you to experience it. Mm -hmm. So, again, I, I think yeah. it's important to um, introduce hardship. Uh, into your own life, whether you do it with a physical challenge or a creative endeavor or something that says, I'm going to learn how to do this, or I'm going to um, call my neighbor and say, I want to tell you something that happened over the last year in my life. Um, and just get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. Introduce a little hardship back into your life. And I know many will hear this and go, Bill, give me a break. I got enough hardship in my life as it is. So yeah. maybe just, discomfort is a better word. Yeah, maybe, maybe discomfort. Discomfort. Yeah. yeah, because it is, it is difficult to say. You know, you could you could have a neighbor or a friend or just an acquaintance that's going through some rough times, right. and you say, "This is a person who needs to hear a message right now." Right. But it's uncomfortable for me. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. A little discomfort. I like that. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. always good to uh, start off the week on a on a light note, and I I think this is a topic that uh, has been. I've been thinking about this for a week or so, especially after you sent me that text. And I thought, yeah, this is a good, good topic. And being comfort, being comfortable is a powerful thing. And uh, sometimes mm -hmm. it's uh, hard to get out of that, that comfort zone. I know we yeah. talk about that a lot, but I appreciate the discussion. We do. Yep. Thanks. Yep. Love to be here. Yeah, thanks. Patrick Albanese has been my guest for this uh, half hour as we've started the week. Here we go. Take a little break. When we come back, you can bet the Monday afternoon mix Will take place. We'll take a short break and be back. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. The 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Not only is it the afternoon show, but it's the Monday afternoon mix. And because Rosie's not with us today, we didn't use our traditional Monday afternoon mix music. Yes, but we do have the man. Not the myth, not the legend, <laughs> but the real straight-up deal, Mr. Ryan. Mitchell. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's with us today. All right, David. David uh, Miles is a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. Today we're going to talk about the most famous sermon Jesus ever gave, perhaps the most famous sermon ever given by anyone. Fair to say? Fair to say. The Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to look at chapters 5 through 7 today. That is our goal. It's a very ambitious goal. It, it is. On the Monday afternoon mix because we only have uh, like 22 minutes. <laughs> yes. So uh, so there's a number you know, you know, pastor preachers that are like driving in their cars saying, yeah, that's my weekly thing, trying to figure out how do you do three chapters in 22 minutes. Well, if we were to summarize <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount, I would... I would speculate it would be how to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God. That might be the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and it, and it really has in mind kind of, um, you know, God's kingdom ethic of what it means to live, um, you know, in God's ethos. You know, so when, when you come to chapter 5, well, before the number 5 is number 4, and we, we often talk about the beauty of Jesus' identity and the baptism, the temptation that he, that he has. But then coming out of that, in verse 17 of chapter 4, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think, though, one of the, one of the big things that actually is setting up the Sermon on the Mount is the realization of whose message uh, is, is most important and is most critical. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, that we, we stress here at, at Faith Talk Radio and definitely with the Monday Afternoon Mix, you know. There's a lot of wonderful things, but we want to let you know what ultimately matters is God being glorified and what comes from his word. And so Jesus is like, I'm here, and it's the kingdom of heaven that is hand, and therefore repent. And then he calls disciples, you know, and today he's, he's calling all of us to be followers and learners. And and that also makes this very key point before getting into the Sermon on Mount because he spoke to a crowd. None of us have been made to do life alone. We've been made um, for community, for, for fellowship, and we've been made for fellowship vertically with God through the work of the cross of Jesus Christ and restored horizontally the effects of the fall. And so Jesus calls together disciples, and then in verse um, 23, you see Jesus gets proximal to pain. He gets proximal to the pain and that people are brought to him who are uh, sick and have every affliction and so many different issues. And so seeing the crowds, you know, being proximal to this, Mm -hmm. that's what then opens up the Sermon Mounts. And it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm, I love it. And David, I always like to start with the end in mind. Now, if we look at Matthews 5, 6, and 7, it's kind of fun to see how Jesus concludes. Now, we can work backwards a little bit. The 
it says in uh, 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we will spend this time today being truly amazed at his teaching. Yeah, we will be amazed. And one of the things is the, 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 as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to talk about, you know, you've heard it say, like, here's the letter of the law. But then he gets more deeper into the spirit and the heart of it. And each time he does, it really reveals our inability to do this in our strength, which actually so clearly paints this beautiful picture of the need uh, for a Savior and for the reason that the Son of Man came into the world for us. Well said. Well said. All right. Where do you want to pick up this beautiful sermon? We've got, you know, the nice thing about the Sermon on the Mount, it it covers several different topics. Um, So I... I love the Beatitudes. You know, the Beatitudes are, are really sweet. And starting off with this idea about being poor in spirit, understanding like our, our, um, like our spiritual poverty, our, our state, our need. And, you know, one of the things, Bill, um, that, that's hard about this is that, uh, you know, society constantly, like we eat, drink, and breathe the, the, the um the water of kind of like really um, excessive individualism. Now, listen, you are a once in eternity creation, so God deeply cares about that. So don't don't miss that. But we we live in a society that almost says, "Hey, like, what do I need to do crazy to get the most likes? Like, how can I do a Facebook thing or a TikTok or or whatever it is, Instagram, a bunch of stuff that I'm not like on, you know, Twitter and all those different stuff." But all these various ways of saying, hey, see me, see me. And that, that actually militates the idea of being, you know, poor in spirit. And we see Jesus, who is the bomb. <laughs> and Philippians says, he made himself nothing, put on flesh, entered into a womb, born through a birth canal, into a manger. Wow and became poor that we would be rich. And so so sometimes people can feel like, and, and I've had some conversations in my life with people who they're like, you know, I don't know if I want to go to church because, you know, I'm, I, I don't have the right clothes and I really need to get my life together. And if that's you today, the idea is that actually our poverty in spirit is where Jesus says, like, we're blessed, the realization of our need. It's almost like the people that say I'm... I'm I don't feel good enough to go to the doctor. <laughs> That's the time you need to go. And when when you feel broken or disheveled and you feel like I, I'm not in a place, uh, that's when you, you want to get to church and be before the Lord and, and, and make an, your, yourself an offering to him. Yeah. And to be in fellowship, like you say, be in vertical relationship, be in a right relationship with God vertically, and then be in a right relationship horizontally with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, and like one of the things, like, you know, Mr. Mitchell, is, he's a fine specimen of good health and, and youth and stuff. From this distance, anyway. Yes. Yeah. And and yet, if if walked in and said, Ryan, what'd you do today? He's like, oh, you know, I had a doctor's appointment. It wouldn't be like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, what in the world? It's, so, like, this, this, this mentality in our culture, like, somehow seeing the need mm-hmm. of spiritual health as well, physical health, um, you know, it, it's, it's okay to say to the good, good doctor, 
uh, check me out and and how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily according to the world standard, but according to his standard, his perfect loving standard. Yeah, that's the wisdom of Pastor David Miles, and there's lots more of it. Um, We are in the Monday afternoon mix without Rosie. She's uh, off today, but... uh, when we look at the Beatitudes, David, do you have one that jumps off the page or one that you had a harder time understanding what it meant? Um, you know, one of the ones that I think can be uh, a wrestle uh, for us is like, say, uh, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for our reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, and, and sometimes um, one of the things is out of our fear or out of our self-preservation, sometimes we struggle with the ideal of persecution. And and in in, in ways, what we sometimes even call persecution, now listen, what people go through is real. Uh, In in pastoral ministry, we used to say, there's no such thing as a minor surgery for the person having it. Um, You know, but we have this adverse, it's like, you know, what, what do I need to set up so that I'm not persecuted? And, you know, who can help so that we don't experience persecution? And not like I'm wanting to sign up for it, you know, but but where in the Bible does are we promise a persecution for your life? And Jesus is saying not if you are, but but when you are. Now Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, uh, and he's saying, you know, look, if I wasn't preaching the cross, would I still be being experiencing persecution from the brothers? And uh, I think it was like you know, John MacArthur noted that, you know. The gospel of itself is offensive enough to those who don't really see that they're poor in spirit. But we don't need to be unnecessarily offensive. And sometimes even when we are and we're experiencing persecution, it might not necessarily be persecution for the, for the reasons, you know, because that's like right now in our current culture, um, there's some, there, the, at times among just people in general, um, and brokenness, that there's behavior being exhibited against one another as image bearers. Uh, and then people feel like, oh, I'm being persecuted, so I need to, it's okay for me to act this way or to say these things to this way. And it's like, you know, no, it's not. You know, Scripture says, allowing words that build up and give grace to the hearer. And that later on, as we'll see in this beatitude, that we're to be salt and light, you know, so that the things, you know, that our speech, Colossians 4, 5, that it would be seasoned with salt. Mm-hmm. So the idea of persecution, and so like sometimes when we think about persecution, there's things that we're going to go through. And then I, I think of like some of my students that I had, and very humbling, you know. It's, it's humbling to teach a group of pastors and then later hear that some of them for their faith were macheted to death. You know, so that kind of takes a little different dynamic on some of the things just because someone disagrees with you on something. Um, but I, I think it's, it's interesting um, for us as a church to understand that persecution is real, and it's not just for brothers and sisters elsewhere. And, um, you know, 
that's one of the things that, that actually helps flourish discipleship and even the growth of the church and the glorif- glorification of God. That there was a CT article that talked about things that were being um, not as helpful for the American church, and one of it was, you know, some of our, our pursuit of comfort and, and not wanting to really, you know, pick up our cross and try to make this a utopia and, like, all the things that actually, you know, hindered the move the of the gospel. So just to encourage people. And as pastors, sometimes we're not, we're not, um, we do a disservice by not letting people know that persecution is real. It's not just out there and it's for you, for you. And if you live for Christ at some point, you're going to experience that. Mm-hmm. David, I used to think that the Beatitudes were maybe a description of nine different kinds of people. And then the more I studied it, I think I realized it was nine characteristics of one person. That's the goal. Oh, Bill, break, bring, bring that, break that down some more. Well, I, when I first studied the Beatitudes, I thought, well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, that's a group of people. And then blessed are those who mourn. That's a group of people. Mm. And I've got nine different groups of people out here. And this that's represents right. all these people when I think what it really teaches uh, is that these are, should be nine characteristics of one person. I mean, this should be all of us, right? As followers of Christ, we should be poor in spirit. We should be someone who mourns. We should be meek. Uh, we, we should uh, want to bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, this is, this seems like it's a, a prescription for each of us individually. Yeah. If I think I'm hearing as you're saying that these aren't necessarily things that are, that are more like Lego locks stacked on each other to be separate. Right. These are very interconnected. Yes, exactly. And in, in some ways, you know, uh, uh, being poor in spirit, can allow one to mourn um, and be comforted, like mourning over sin. And, f- and, and, and wonderfully, God is like, yeah, okay, uh, we have sinned, but Christ is our propitiation. And, you know, um, the idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake and being satisfied um, in the Lord and a future satisfaction um, that will also, that would happen. And then pure in heart, seeing seeing God. You know, one imagery that helped me in life, you know, a desire to, you know, old, old uh, you know, pre- preacher language of guarding your anointing, mm-hmm. you know, saying like God's called you and being mindful. And one day the Lord gave me a picture of literally like this pipe with just golden oil just flowing out. And the idea is that sometimes when, when, we're, when we're allowing the things of the world to kind of plug that up, it kind of drops to a dribble. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but when we're saying, Lord, continue to just cleanse and work through me and, and give me, give me, like we sing, give me, you know, clean hands, give me a pure heart, help me not lift my soul to an idol, that instead of a plugged up pipe, you get the spray. And in the process of spraying, it gets back on you. I like that. And so Paul would talk about living with a clear conscience and, um, you know, before God and before man. And yeah. so even, Bill, as we kind of go this part, I, I don't think either one of us, you know, we're planning this. But, but in this moment, I'm feeling in, in, inclined to say, you know, if you're driving home right now or maybe just in this moment, there, there's a pause. And right now before you is choosing life and following Christ and choosing something that's not pure and honoring to God, he wants to let you know that he loves you and he wants you in his strength to choose life. And there may be a relationship 
There may be a decision at work. There may be something waiting at home right now, and, and it's really wanting to draw you in. And, and we just want to want to implore you. You know, we want to we want to beseech you. We, we actually almost like want to beg you to turn and to rest and lean on Christ and embrace the beauty of knowing him because blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God and see God at work in your life. That's a little uh, moment led by the Holy Spirit there, David. Nice going. We'll take a little break. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles, of course, in Rosie's out today. So we will uh, continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon in just a minute. Pastor David Miles is here with me. We are talking about the Sermon on the Mount, the very most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. And as we uh, look at chapter uh, 5 in verse 11, it said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. That stings a little bit. Yeah, it does. You could say it's kind of like salt in the wound. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But as we move on, it does talk about being salt and light. So let's maybe, uh, David, pick up on that. That's another big topic in the Sermon on the Mount, salt and light. Yeah, verse 13 opens up and it says, you know, you are the salt of the earth, but a salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it on their basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Bill, one interesting thing about this is verse 13 says, you are salt. You are light. So Jesus in his his Sermon on the Mount, is, we we talk about identity. He's like, look, this is this this is who you are in me, and you know, to 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 allow our lives to be used in that manner and to have that effect. I like that. That's good. And being salt and light in the world is seems to be even a bigger challenge nowadays. It does seem to be a bigger challenge, you know. And and salt's a really cool thing, you know, Mister Mitchell. I got a question for you. Um, do you... I got to pay him a commission if he talks, so okay. be careful. Okay. Dun, dun, so, dun, no, no, dun. just make it, a, make it a short question <laughs> so he gives a short answer. Well, I, you know, I, I was going to say, do you happen to like to grill? To grill? Yeah, grill. I'm trying to learn more about it, but I would like to know more about it, so I'll give you yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> so is there any particular types of meat that you like, or are you a vegetarian? No, burgers, brats, yeah. You like steak? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so like favorite, like favorite cut of steak. What do you like? Sirloin steaks, good. Sirloin steaks. Yeah. Not sure where you're going with well, this, see, but I'm dying to find see, out. One, one of the things is that I, I um, I love, I love grilling. My kids give me a hard time saying that. My older son DJ is kind of, you know, the be- better griller of us too. And I like, I like ribeye. 
But but one of the most important things is that I I, I need to have some Lowry's season salt. You see that that that's a must. And you see Ryan like some you know Lowry's and pepper on my steak. Oh, I mean like and, and there's something about it. You see when that salt uh, hits that meat. And, and that starts to penetrate and get get all up in that. And it's just, Bill, it's just mm-mm-mm Trust me, you're making me hungry. I, I, I'm for real. we got to change the subject. Right now, now, but here's the thing. You know, don't don't bring the Lowry's and, 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 like, leave it in the car. That doesn't do any good. That salt is meant to light up that sirloin mm-hmm. and ribeye and cause an effect. And Jesus is like, listen— you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, uh, it, 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 it's, how can it be restored? It's, it's not good for anything. And in Christ, God is saying, you're the salt, that, that when we show up into places because Jesus is in us, and Bill, I, I know you, you love this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians two thirteen and 14, about being the aroma of Christ, mm-hmm. that, that when we show up, that like a good steak— or like a nice smelling flower and potpourri, change happens, and that's Christ emanating from us. Mm-hmm. You know, so, that's, so 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 for those people that are uh, getting ready to to light up the grill or to, to heat up the charcoals, you know, let that let that let that um savior and 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 as your as your water buds are savoring, just to think of the ways that God wants to use you in that way. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the first time the word potpourri has been used on my show. But when you talk about a, the, being that fragrance, I think as believers we have to re, remind ourselves that to be present, to be um, connecting with people doesn't necessarily mean you have to pull out the four spiritual laws because you never know exactly where they are in their journey. But you can be planting seeds and, and being, a, being light and salt in a world that's troubled and broken and let people see there's something different about David Miles. Yeah, and and you can Not always. Not to mention, ref- he grills a great steak. Well, my my son's uh, giving me a hard time. My son DJ really grills a great steak, um, and another gentleman I know, he actually explained to me about putting bacon soda on steak because it really tenderizes the skin. Phenomenal cook, but it it comes back to uh, uh, Colossians four. You know, Paul writes and he says. Be devoted or steadfast in prayer, being watchful for it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God would open up a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul sitting here praying, as a number of our listeners do, and we pray for you. God, open up a door to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at this. The very next words, walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with, there's that word, salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Um, I once uh, had worked in a sales industry, and one of the things that that stood up, like, like you say, not doing the four spiritual laws, was that Tammy, and at that time we had three kiddos, and she would stop in, and, and, and say hi at work. And it was simply this. One day, one of the guys said to me, you know what? I, I kind of noticed you have a picture of your wife on the desk, and though a lot of guys would talk about their old ladies, you never refer to Tammy that way. 
And I said, no, because she's my queen. You know, she, she's the she's sun in my sky. You know, she's the, the chocolate in my chocolate chip, you know. <laughs> she's the sweet smell. Of the ro- I mean, mm-hmm. but simply, I didn't use a spiritual ver- verse, but the way that I talked yeah. about her and the way that I talked to her mm-hmm. was powerful. So this goes back earlier back earlier to what we were saying. Our speech matters, and you can have a profound witness for Jesus by letting Jesus talk, Jesus' speech, Jesus' love come oozing out of you in the lives of people. Yeah, they, of course, your speech was seasoned with salt. It was made, made the conversation uh, very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people who are driving today, you guys are that mm, mm, mm good that God wants to do in circles that Bill, Ryan, Rosie, and I, we will never be in those, but God has placed you in there to be the Lowry's of Jesus to affect change. Yeah. Always remember, every time you open your mouth, you can be uplifting, blessing, encouraging somebody, and that can make an entire difference in their day. Sometimes their week, sometimes their life. Yeah. You know, happened in your life in a significant way when you were almost ready to end your life and someone said, David, you want to go to a event with me? It's yes. fascinating. Let's continue this study, David, on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. That's all the time we have today for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles has been my guest. We're going to continue this study because it's great. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.